write any stories down in this book that didn't apply to everybody. It wouldn't have done him any good just to write down some history that didn't apply to the future also. God knows the end from the beginning. You tracking with me so far? This story applies to us as well. This is for generations. The son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over, to this, go over this Jordan, and you and all you and all this people. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, we're talking about two million people here. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. He was giving this to them. It was already theirs. He already had given it to them a generation ago, right? Forty years ago, he had given them this land, but they didn't possess it because of what was in their hearts. Church, we have to guard our hearts. If we guard our hearts, it will guard our steps. It will, it will correct our steps. It will change our steps. So often, what's in our hearts gets us outside of the plan or the will of God, right? It gets us off that right path that we're supposed to be on. Amen? This spoke to me anyway. I'm hoping it'll speak to all of you all. Three says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I give to you. Right? Talking about steps here. Talking about steps. If we guard our heart, it will correct our steps. They've been walking around the wilderness that they didn't own. That part wasn't theirs. They were walking around the wrong places because they were saying the wrong things because they had the wrong stuff in their heart. Amen? Now, the rest of y'all in the back, we're Pentecostal around here, so I expect a few more head nods and amen, right? What's in your heart will affect your steps. It's going to affect where you're at on God's plan for your life. Amen? He had already promised them this land. Everywhere the, foot of your, the sole of your foot tread belongs to you. As I said to Moses, once again, generational. That generation didn't receive it, so the next one will. You want to receive it? You want to get our hearts right today? Or we want to allow our kids to come up and... You get what I'm saying? We can die off in the wilderness. Or God can grow up a mighty church here with us, right? A mighty body. We're not just a church. We're not the building. We're the body of Christ. He's got a plan for us. He's got some things for us to do right here in Excelsior Springs. Amen. We can be a part of this or we can sit back on our hands and he'll wait for us to die off. Maybe that's a spiritual death. Maybe he'll wait for us to slide out the back door to bring somebody else in. Amen. We got to guard our hearts. Four says from the wilderness, talking about the land that he gave them, from the wilderness and and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun. So all the way, you all know what going down the sun means, right? The sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. I, every time I tell my wife that, she says, don't be talking to me about all that complicated stuff. She's terrible with directions, right? We, we cut a trail in our backyard that was a circle in, in the woods. And she went, we went around it four or five times, and she thought it was cool, and she saw new stuff every time, and God put flowers out there. And one day we turned, and we walked around the circle the other way, and she said, is this our property too? I said, yes, baby. And if you ever get lost back here, just keep walking. You'll wind up in the backyard again. She's that terrible. But anyways, to, to, the, to the going down of the sun. So he was saying, from right here where we're at, all the way to the west, as far as you can see, all the way over there on the horizon, as far as you can see with that sun, that's as far as it goes that, that they can see with the west. You own that. That's yours. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads belongs to you. All of it does. Amen? Everywhere that you go belongs to you. As long as you're in the plan of God, we're going to find out here. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Y'all need to get a hold of that right there. Nobody can ever stand in front of you all the days of your life. 
as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Just like he was with Moses, so will he be with Sue. Amen. And the church of the day, because this is generational. It goes on. We're still his children. We're his people, right? He sent his son to pay the price so we could be, right? So will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He's always there. Sister Lena said last week, no matter where you're at, he's right there to hold your hand. He's right there to see you through it. Remember, whatever you're going through today, it's not your fight anyway. It's his. I texted this to another pastor in our district this morning. He's going through some things and tests and trials. I said, remember, it's not your fight anyway. It's God's fight. All you're going to have to do is just remember he's there with you. Keep your focus on him. And he might have you holler or break a picture or something. You all know what the Bible says, right? And he would cause whole, whole armies to turn against themselves. Amen. He will never leave you for, for, or forsake you. And he goes on to say, be strong and of good courage. Don't worry about what you're about to see. Don't worry about that last report you had come in that said there was giants in the land. Be strong and of good courage. You keep your eyes on me. Church, we can be strong and of good courage if we'll keep focused on him, right? Of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their forefathers or to their fathers to give them. Only be strong, he tells them again. Don't freak out here on me. He done told them once. He's telling them again, just like he told them 40 years ago. Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to, the, to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Right? He's tell, it sounds like all good news so far. Then he says, but hold up a minute. There's two parts to a covenant. When you have a contract, there's two sides of the contract. What I'm going to do and what you're going to do. To complete the covenant or the contract, right? You all know that the word testament means, means covenant. It means contract. So they lived under the Old Testament deal, covenant, contract. We live under the New Testament or the New Covenant. But every covenant, there's two sides. It's not just all gimme, 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 right? It reciprocates. You do this, I do that. I do this, you do this. Amen. So he's getting into that part right there where they got to do something with it, right? Everywhere the sole of your foot's going to tread, don't be scared, don't worry about it. Nobody's ever going to be able to stand before you the rest of your days. From here, as far as you can see the West, it all belongs to you. It all belongs to you, right? But he says, take heed that you might take these words, right? That you may observe to do all according to the law which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Don't dabble in the world just a little bit. Don't get caught focused on the giants and not on me. Don't get caught looking at how big this thing seems to be that we're going to go in and take this whole place over that nobody, no matter how big and scary they may seem, no matter how big and scary the, the, the cancer seems or the trial may seem, it can't stand before you if you don't turn from the right or to the left, if your focus is on him, right? Straight down, not, not, you know, in a car you're always making corrections. If you're going on a straight road, you always got to make constant corrections to keep that focus forward, right? To be, if not, if you start wandering off a little bit, pretty soon you're in the ditch, right? That you may observe these things. It says, do not turn to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. You see that? He says, don't turn from the right to the left, and then he throws another promise out there. Brother Adam, you can prosper everywhere that you go. If you just heed my warnings, if you just take my word and don't turn from it from the right to the left, right? 
it's contingent on walking on his path, on walking on his plan. All these promises are contingent on something, right? It's a covenant, amen? The book of the law shall not depart, in verse 8, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What's he saying about that? Did he tell you to take your Bible and put it in your mouth? Your words. Your words. What are you saying today? What are you saying about your situation? Don't get quiet on me now. I heard some of y'all talking before church. Sometimes I hear the words coming out of my mouth. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Amen. What are you speaking on your marriage? What are you speaking over your children? What are you speaking over your finances? He said prosper everywhere you go. He said everywhere the sole of your foot tread belongs to you. It's about guarding our heart. We're speaking what's in our heart. Faith-filled words. You believe in something. Right? Faith-filled words. Don't let it depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. He's talking about your mind right now. When, when is day and night? Does that mean I just have my Bible in front of me all the time and everywhere I go I don't look anywhere else because I'm supposed to stay focused on this all the time? No, but I can talk to God all the time, right? I can talk to him just like I'm talking to my wife when we're going on the road. You know, I may see something else over here and I talk about that and I talk about this, but I talk to her off and on all day long, all night long. Only when I'm asleep, I'm not talking to her, right? I'm in my word all the time. I'm getting in the scripture. I'm memorizing scripture, right? I'm applying it to my life. It's changing me. I'm talking about a relationship, right? You have to meditate on this thing day and night. He's talking about, we, we want to prosper as a church. We want to prosper as a people even. In our, in, in our individual lives, we want to prosper, right? He's given us the key to our success right here. Focus on him. Put him first, straight and narrow. Going forward all the time. Not, not venturing to the left, not venturing to the right. Don't let anything get before you and him. Amen. Me and Sister Sue agree anyway. <clears throat> day and night and you may observe to do all according that is written in it for you will make your way prosperous who's going to Me. you will make your way prosperous the preacher's not going to make your way prosperous God's already done it he wrote it in his word it's yours it belongs to you it belongs to the church it belongs to us individually you will make your way prosperous when you guard your heart because what's in your heart's going to come out of your mouth, right? Your, your way prospers, and then you will have good success. When you do what? When you obey. When you meditate on the word day and night. When you apply the word to your life. When you're putting the word into your heart. Not rated R movies in your heart. Rome music in your heart. Bad company corrupts good morals, wrong people in your heart. You're hanging out with the wrong people, saying the wrong things, going to the wrong school. It's going to put wrong things in your heart. Amen? We're going to get the definition of heart here in a minute, but it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's what your heart is. I'll show it to you in the Greek here shortly. But the things that we're, that we're allowing ourselves to be subject to, the, the, the people, you, you may think that those people aren't going to influence me, I'm going to influence them. But those things get into your heart. And when it gets into your heart over and over and over and over again, it comes out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth, I'm going to show you this in Scripture, you will come in contact with it. You will come in contact with what you're saying. Amen? 
you will have good success. Nine says, and I have, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Tells them again, do not be afraid nor dismayed, right? For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. We don't need to be discouraged or dismayed or afraid if we understand that our trust is in him, right? It's dependent. For us not to be afraid or have fear is dependent on my trust in him, right? It's, it's dependent on my faith in him. You know what I got out of this scripture when I read this this time? I've read this scripture probably a hundred times. It's one of my favorites. I, I've walked around sections of this town before, walking from the church, just speaking everywhere the sole of my foot tread belongs to this church, belongs to us, speaking God's word over the people and the communities and things around here. You know what I got out of it this time when I read it? God said that if you keep the word in your mouth and you meditate on it day and night, if we're speaking his words over every situation, no one will be able to stand in front of you all the days of your life. You know who that includes? Mr. Devil. The devil cannot stand in front of the church. He cannot stand in front of us individually. She got a hold of it. If we'd understand that, that if we get the word of God in our hearts, if we're putting it in our hearts and it gets in our mind, and, and our mind has to agree with our faith, right? If my mind doesn't agree with my faith, my body's going to be off doing something else when my spirit wants to do this thing. Amen? So it's got to be my belief in here, my head's got to line up with the word, and then it comes out of my mouth. Oh, Lord, nobody can stand in front of me, not even the devil himself, Sister Lena. Nobody can stand before me. I, I thought that was powerful. I got, I got a big revelation out of that, and I, I already knew that. You know that you know that, but then when you get a revelation of it, then you really, really know that you know it, right? It's kind of like I went to Popeye's this week, and I said, how fresh is your, how fresh is your, crisp, or your uh, spicy chicken strips? And he said, they're pretty fresh, but if you want fresh, fresh, fresh ones, we can cook you some fresh, fresh, fresh ones. I said, I'll take those, right? When we get a revelation, we know that we know that we know that we know that we know. Amen. Nobody can talk us out of us. In that first generation that we were talking about, the, 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 the spies, there were 12 spies, and, and, and 10 of them came back with a bad report. They didn't get this. They didn't understand this, what, what God had said. This place belongs to you. If you just focus on what I said to you, you'll have it just the way that I said you'll have it. That's what God's saying here, right? This isn't my words. You'll have it just the way that, that, that God said you'll have it if you focus on him. If your focus is on him, right? If our focus is on him. They didn't have the faith for it, though. Instead, they murmured and complained. Sister Lena was talking about this this morning in Sunday school class. They murmured and complained. They talked about what was in their heart. How do you reckon that got in there? They allowed it in there, right? They put it in their heart, right? It's critical. It's important what we allow into our heart. What, have I, what I've allowed into my heart will directly dictate my future. I can tell you this too. What you're allowing into your heart today will directly dictate the future of this church. I'm not in this alone. We're one here, right? God set every member in the body. We're the body. We're all one body and one mind and one accord fitly framed together in his love. Right? So what you're allowing in, if it's decay or if it's rot, you see the picture I'm painting here? If you're allowing decay into the body, cancer into the body, well, that's how we get division. We get to strife. We get people not agreeing with the vision. Amen? We're all responsible for this. We're all responsible for guarding our hearts. It will dictate our future. Some thinking right now probably, how, how do you know that preacher? I'm, I'm glad you asked that. I got, I got a scripture for it. 
Luke 6.45 says this. Luke 6.45, you probably already know these scriptures by heart, many of you do. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, this word heart means, in the Greek it says, the soul or mind, as, as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. Simply put, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's what you want to do, what your emotions are. Our emotions are up and down so many times. That's why we got to learn to control our soul or our heart with our spirit. Amen? That's why it's important for us as Christians to fast, to shut that body down and say, you're not the boss, King Stomach. King Spirit's the boss. He's in charge, right? So a good man out of the good treasure of his mind, his thoughts, his will, his emotions, brings forth good, right? But an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. You notice the direct correlation here? Whatever we're putting into our heart, whatever we're allowing into our heart, that's the fruit we're producing. Many people say they're Christians. Let me tell you this, parents. If, you're, if, if you have a, a young person and they're, and, they're, and they're courting somebody, or unmarried people, if they say they're a Christian, check the fruit. The Bible says don't judge a man. I'm not judging you, but I'm looking at your fruit all the time. I'm seeing what's coming out of you, what you're producing. I do this to all of you all the church. I'm looking at your fruit. I'm sizing up your fruit all the time. You should be doing the same to me. Amen? If you're looking at a man's fruit, you can see quickly when something's wrong, when something's gone astray. He might be on that straight and narrow, and it's curved just a little bit to the right, you'll see it in the fruit. You'll see it in the fruit almost immediately. It doesn't take very long for the fruit to start to change, right? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart, whatever we're putting in is going to come out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth, right? One translation, or this translation here, it's the New King James. This word brings forth in the Greek, if you study this out, it means to fling forward. It's kind of like a seed. If I'm on a path and I'm flinging seed out in front of me, and I'm flinging it out there all the time with my words of what's in my heart, I'm flinging this seed out all the time, I'm going to come in contact with that, what fruit that produces again. So if I'm speaking defeat and poverty and sickness and lack and disease, I'm going to come into contact with that again. Isn't that what this word says? But if I'm speaking God's word, that's why he said you'll have good success. If you focus on my word and you focus on me, you keep your vision on what I said was yours. You keep your vision on my side of the covenant. You, you focus on me. You'll have good success. You'll prosper. Because you're flinging that forward. You're flinging for, I feel the Holy Ghost in that. You're flinging forward that success. You're flinging forward that healing, that mental health. You're flinging forward that blessing. Amen. All God's people should be blessed. God wants us to be blessed. How many of your children do you want to be po live in poverty? Amen. How many of your children do you want to live sick? It's not God's will for any of us to be sick. I've heard people all the time say, if it's God's will, I'll be healed. God says he's no respecter of persons. He healed everybody. Jesus says, what's it say? 2 Peter 2.24. By his stripes, we are healed. You're already healed. That's the seed we should be slinging forward. If you're, if you're suffering with something today, by his stripes, I'm healed. 
I'm sowing this seed right here, and I'm going to come in line. I'm going I'm to come in line with this word. I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to meditate on that. I'm not going to meditate on what Sister Amy said about me <laughs> or what the doctor said about me or what anybody else said about me. I'm going to focus on what God's word says, and I'm going to keep spreading this seed in my lawn so when I come into contact with it again, this is what I'm going to receive because God's word says in Joshua chapter 1 that I'm going to have good success because I'm spreading the right seeds out here. Amen. But I got to guard my heart. Guarding my heart will change my steps. It'll change what I say. It'll change what I, where I go. It'll change who I hang out with. It'll change what I allow other people to say to me. Sometimes when people are pouring some junk out, just say, I don't want to hear that. I guard myself from that kind of thing. I don't, I don't, don't talk to me like that. I don't, I don't want to hear You don't have to be rude about it, but you can be blunt. This is life or death. Because if you're allowing them to put that seed into your heart, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. You can say, I don't want to hear that junk. That ain't what I'm trying to do with my spirit, man. You take that down the road. They'll usually shut down pretty fast when you say that to them. What we allow in our heart also dictates, dictates my steps. We wonder why it's hard for me to make it to church. Well... Why is it so hard to get here on Tuesday for the prayer meeting? Why is it so hard to be here every Sunday? Why is it so hard to be here on Wednesday? Why is it so hard to spend time with God? So many other things just want to come along and, and take his place. Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard to get in my word and read my word? Think about it. Why is it so hard for me to avoid sin? It's what's in our heart. It's what we've allowed in our heart. So many, we're hungry for so many other things because we've allowed it in our heart. Amen. James 1, 14 and 16. You don't have authority over your heart. You have authority over your mind. Over your body also, right? So whatever's getting in your heart, you've allowed there. It's not up to me to change what gets in your heart. I can tell you about it. I can give you a sermon like this and you can say, oh, light bulb moment. That's good. I got to change this. But whatever you is whatever's in your heart, you've allowed there. That means whatever's in your heart, you've got to turn it around. Now, if you've been sowing, I, I sowed bad seeds for 37 years, throwing them out there. I've thrown both hands a lot of times. Amen? And it takes a while to get that turned around. Now you've got to start sowing God's seed. I can't, when I came to God, though, I started throwing it with both hands. Amen? You've got to throw that good seed out there to wash that bad seed away, to, to, to choke that bad seed out. And then you start to speak that way. Amen? It doesn't change overnight. It's a process. You know, it took me a year to quit cussing. I used to have a terrible mouth. I used the four-letter word like it was Cheerios or something. I mean, it was just, I'd, it was common. Yeah. Cheerios on our floor is what I was thinking about, how Jesse, he gets the box and they go everywhere. But I used the four-letter word like that. And any word, I, I, it, it seems now when I hear people cuss, it's like, do you think that makes you sound more intelligent? That's your, that's your vocabulary. But it took me a year because I had to stop listening to that kind of music and, and watching those kind of shows. Now I won't even watch a scary show because I know there's foul spirits that are, that, that are tied to those things. Amen? But it's what you put in. You've got to put God's word in and put God's word in. And I had put, in, put those things in for so long, not that I waited a year and then I stopped. It, it got better and better and better and better. And then a year out, a cuss word popped out of my mouth, and I was like, where did that come from? It was odd for me then. It was foreign to me then. But we got to sow that seed. We got to sow that seed. We got to get that seed in our heart, right? So 
James 1, 14 and 15 says, temptation comes from our own desires, from our own desires, led, what we, what, led by what we desire then, right? What do you desire? What you've allowed into your heart, amen? Church, it takes discipline to guard your heart. Because some of those things, I used to enjoy scary movies. Now I can't watch them at all because I realize what, what is encompassed in them, right? What's really there? That's a good way to put it. What's really there? I can't listen to the wrong music at all because it may seem innocent and it may seem like there's not, 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 it's not too bad. But if it's not about God, what is it? What is it? Temptation comes from our own desires, which, in, which enticed us to drag us away. Remember that what God said? Straight. Not to the right, not to the left. These temptations start to pull us off just a little bit, though. If he can get us just to move a little bit, even if you turn your steering wheel that much, not very far down the road, you're going to crash. You're going to crash. You're going in the ditch. You might have a rollover, whatever it is. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much over a long period of time, and bad things happen, right? Which entice us to drag us away. 15 says, these desires give birth to sinful actions. So we start thinking about it, letting it into our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? We get it into our heart. It gives birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, when we continue to blatantly do it, right? We all make mistakes sometimes. We talked about this on Wednesday. Sometimes I'm going to make a mistake, but I have to repent of that thing and get back on track. Back on center, right? But when I allow it to pull me off course, when it's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, we all know that if you've been coming here very long, the definition of death is the separation of something. It's the separation. The second death we know it is, is the separation of us from God forever. So when sin, if, we, if sin goes unchecked, we will be separated. He says that it gives birth to death. How can I operate in the faith of God's word when my faith-filled words agree with something else? When I'm speaking whatever thing I've allowed into my heart that I've allowed into my heart. I'm speaking that thing. Now, how can I expect my words to work for me? In other words, I can't speak out of both sides of my mouth and expect good things to happen out of that. Amen. My, my words are agreeing with somebody else. Where, how about where I'm going is agreeing with something else besides what God said? Or, or, or who I'm going with is outside of what God's word says. You get the picture. Things that I'm doing or things that I'm saying, they're outside. They don't line up with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it doesn't agree with the word of God. You get what I'm saying? Anything that you're saying that this is good or what, check it with the Word of God. If you even say that God told me, check it with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it doesn't agree with the Word of God, and therefore it is wrong. Don't allow it in your heart. Amen? Matthew 7 and 18 says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Amen? You can't, you, you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. It doesn't go both ways. We want our authority to work. We want to be blessed of God. We want all these things, right? We want our authority to work. We must guard our heart. You know that your authority is delegated? It's delegated. That means it didn't originate with you. It didn't originate with me. 
It didn't originate with, the, with, with Luke when he said, Behold, I give unto you power. In Luke 10, 19, you can smash vipers and scorpions. It didn't originate with Luke. It came from God, right? And in, in Matthew 8 and 9, it, it, this is talking about the centurion when he came and his servant was sick and he asked Jesus to, to just say the words. And Jesus marveled and said, I haven't seen such great a faith as this even in the church. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. Even, even in, in the Jewish people, I haven't seen such great a faith as this. It says, in verse 9, it says, For I am a man, this is the centurion speaking to Jesus, For I am a man under authority. His authority was delegated to him also. He understood how authority worked. That's why Jesus was so amazed by him, right? He's under authority, having soldiers under me. Now think about that. When he spoke to his soldiers... They had to listen, right? He says, and I say to this man, go and he goeth, and another come and he cometh, and to my servant do this and he doeth it, right? Because he was under authority and he had people under him, right? So if we're under authority, then would you agree that we have to do what God says for authority to work? If that man in the military had stepped outside of his authority, he would have been court-martialed and locked up, maybe even, maybe even executed for that. Church, we step outside of our authority all the time that we're underneath of, of God. We step outside of that, and then we get mad at God because it's not working for us. We're wondering, why haven't you done your... God, why aren't you keeping up your end of the covenant? What's wrong with you, God? Are you even real? Are you even there? What's going on, God? Why aren't you keeping up your end? Why we're not living underneath the authority of what he said. Amen? We have a promises from God because we're in this covenant with him. This word covenant, I found this definition on the dictionary, but I like, or in the, on the internet, but I liked it, so I'm using this today. It's not from the concordance of the Bible dictionary, but it's off the internet. It says, an agreement which brings about a relationship of commitment between God and his people. Church, are we in covenant with him today? The things that we allow into our heart so many times cause us to just give in just a little bit you get what I'm saying we get off the center just a little bit we sacrifice that covenant just a little bit and over time a little bit becomes a long way and even though we're sitting in church and we're reading our Bibles are we meditating day and night have we allowed things to seep into our heart that are affecting us think about that God has a side he has the promises and we have a side what's required of me what's required of me today in this covenant with God most want God's promises without a commitment preacher pray for me why don't you pray for yourself Amen. I'm not saying that to be rude, but we get a lot more done. The Bible says we're two or three are gathered and agree it shall be done. We get a lot more done if you're if you're lining your word your, your faith up with God's word and you're releasing these scriptures on the on this on this whatever's happening in your life, and then you come and say, preacher, God's word says this, the situation says this, but I'm lining my faith up with God's word. Would you agree with me? Oh yeah, I'll jump right on that. I'll pray for you even if you ask me to pray for you. I don't mean that I won't. But we'll accomplish a lot more if you're releasing God's word in the situation and you're asking me to align my faith with your faith on God's word. His word says it shall be done. It shall be done, right? It's not just you blindly saying, pray for me, would you? And then half the people you're asking to pray for you, oh yeah, I'll pray for you, but then they're going and talking 
junk about your situation and telling everybody they know, and then they're telling everybody they know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We've all seen this happen, right? Most of us want, want it without the commitment because we're more committed to something else. Think about it. We're more committed to something else, so, so we just allow our job to take the place of where God's supposed to be, or we allow a person to take the place of what God's supposed to be. Y'all get the picture. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you, we've allowed something to seep into our heart, and it takes the place of that meditation day and night, that speaking his word, that relationship, that applying the word to my life and allowing his word to change me and realizing that whatever his word says is fact. Whatever I think might not be so much. Whatever somebody else says, well, probably isn't. If it doesn't line up with what God's word, I can guarantee you it's wrong, right? We must guard our hearts. If we guard our hearts, the steps will take care of themselves. Think about this. When you start to guard your heart and you're putting in the word, you're meditating, you're speaking those things, where do you want to go? What do you want to talk about? Who do you want to hang out with? Right? When I started putting God's word into my mouth and in my life and in my mind, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to hang out with people more spiritual than I was so they could, they could pull me forward. I didn't want to go back to where I was at because they're going to drag me down. Amen? But we have to guard our hearts, right? Can I go a little further with this? Most people think of prosperity and blessing. They think of money or they think of material. That's not biblical. Do you know, do you know that money is the least form of prosperity? Now, I use money a lot of times to teach on, on these things because we can see money and it's tangible, right? It's hard for me to teach on your body or your mind harder, right? But, but I can teach on money because we can see money. We all need money. I'm not saying money's bad, but it's the least form of prosperity. And material things is, and I can show you this in Scripture. Third John chapter, or, or there's only one verse. There's only one book, or one verse, I mean to say, one chapter. 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2. Go there with me real quick, could you? It says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things. Everything, right? He's talking about material right here. He's talking about money. Because he goes on to say, and be in good health. He's talking about my body. So he's talking about prospering financially, material things. He says, and prosper in your health. Just as your soul prospers. He ties this right back to our heart, right? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's our soul. He ties it right back to that. So what happens in your material things, in your finances? What happens in your body? What happens in your mind? Is all related to guarding your heart. What you allow into your heart. All of it is, right? This word prosper means to prosper or be successful. You want to be successful in your mind? Guard your heart. You want to be successful in your finances? Guard your heart. You want to be successful in your marriage? Guard your heart. You want to be successful in the body of Christ? You catch it on, right? Guard your heart. Guard your heart, right? Money is the lowest form of prosperity. He said it first. He lumped it all together with all of it. Then he talks about our body, and he talks about our soul after that, right? It's the lowest form of success. You can have all the money in the world. Now, now just picture this. If you won the Powerball today, or you owned half the United States of America, or you owned all the gold and silver that, that, that are in the world. You could be that rich. Imagine how rich you would be if you owned every ounce of gold in the world. 
Now you start wondering immediately, what could I do with that? It's fun to dream about what you'd do if you won the Powerball, right? Nobody ever thought about that before, just me. I've thought about it before. I'd love to have some big place out in the middle of nowhere that's thousands of acres that nobody can see me on. I can go in there and have a gate that nobody can come in, and I think it'd be awesome. But nobody ever dreams about any of that stuff. You could have all those things, though, and be plagued in the mind, and it wouldn't mean anything. You could have all the money and fame in the world and have cancer, and you'd just be a rich man with a broke-down body. Or woman, rich man or woman with a broke-down body. You'd be poor in your body, but have everything in the world, but you're going to die. Amen? Because you're poor that way. You could have all that money, and you could be laid up in a mental institution. Wouldn't do you one bit of good. That's why I'm telling you money is the lowest form. Money is the lowest form because your body and your mind and, your, and, and all those things are more important than, than money, right? Money would mean nothing to you if you're in a mental institution. Because we need our mind to be blessed, right? We need our, our mind to be that way. So in the covenant or the testament, we have God requires a relationship then. In this relationship, he requires the application of his word, right? He says, don't be hearers only, but be doers. If you're just a hearer only, you're deceiving your own self. So don't just put it into your heart, but you've got to begin to do it, right? When, you, when you're applying this word, when you begin to do the word, it changes everything. It changes the steps, right? He also requires service, does he not? He sets us in the body, and he set, tells everyone to bring their, their, what's the word I'm looking for? Their supply. Bring their supply. He also calls on us to tithe, right? He also calls on us in Romans to renew your mind. It all goes together, right? It's all part of his word, right? Most, most Christians get the, heart, the cart before the horse, though, right? They want to spend all their time. No, let me say that different. We want to spend all of our time. We want to spend all of our resources and all of our energy on, on taking care of life. I spend most of my time on my spouse, my family, my job, my making money, hobbies. Does fit anybody else? It's quiet right here, so I figured it might. And then give what's left to God. So I spend 40 to 60 hours a week on the job, and then I come to work for, I come to church for a, an hour and a half, and that's what you got, God. Can you deal with that? And I'm wore out when I get here, so I don't even want to raise my hands and praise him. And I haven't been praying all week, so I haven't been in the spirit. I didn't come ready to give him my praise because I spent the whole rest of the week taking care of all the other junk that ain't going to mean nothing without him. That's what I'm talking about, about the cart before the horse, right? Where's my heart at? Remember what Matthew 6.33 says? It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know all the things that we chase after? It'll be added to us. If we seek first the kingdom of God, he says these things will be added unto you. He doesn't say you have to go out and get them, does he? He's telling us that blessing is going to follow me around. Blessing will follow me around if I'll get this right. Isn't that what he said? He said it in Joshua. He says it in, in, in Matthew, right? We're talking about generations. Y'all not excited about this? Yeah. You ready to go home? Yeah. I'm on my last page of notes, I promise. But I need a couple volunteers, right? I'll, I'll get back to this in a second. But an example of this, and this may be hard to grasp, but it took me a minute. I had to go around it two or three times to make sense. So hopefully I can say it, communicate it in the right way for you. So an example of getting the cart before the horse is you have to, before you can preach, you have to serve. Does that make sense? So many people want to jump up and do something, 
but they haven't served. There's no time of preparation. In this service is a time of preparation, right? Young people, if you were in camp and you were called to preach, you should approach your pastor already, have done it, and ask him, how can I serve? Can I show you this in the scripture? It says in Luke 16, 12 through 14, now he's talking about money here, but we know that blessing applies to everything, right? And, And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or mammon means money, or stuff, or even people, right? We have to get it all in the right place. Can I get a couple volunteers? How about, Sister Lena, can you play God this morning? Come on up here. I just need you to just just stand in, in in the role of God. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. And I got to take, take my tablet so I can get this right, right? No, no pressure at all. I'm, it's not a speaking part. Don't worry. So God's here, and I'm facing God, so you're part of my family. Come up here and be my family. And Amy, you can, or you wanna be, you, can, you can be stuff and all the money and everything else that comes behind us. Right? No, no, you don't have to. Katie, Katie already took your spot. So if I'm facing God and I'm pushing toward God, and my family's following me, and that stuff's going to follow me around, it's following us as she's following me to follow God, right? But if I start trying to get to this stuff, you see what happens there? I turn my back on God. My focus isn't on Him anymore. God, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? God, I read your word. Why isn't it working in my life, God? Doesn't that look silly? But don't we do exactly that? Thank you. You're, you're, you're an awesome. Don't we do exactly that, though? We take our eyes off of God, and then we're upset with God because it's not working, right? Why do you think Joshua told the children of Israel when they was walking around the walls of Jericho, he said, don't say nothing the first six days. You shut your mouth. Don't say a thing. He knew what happened in the wilderness. Amen. He knew what they might be saying all the six days before leading up to this. Amen? He said, you just focus on God. You keep your eyes on him. We're going to walk around this day six days, and on the, on the seventh day we're going to do seven times, and the walls are going to fall to the ground. Do you know how much doubt could have been in that? Do you know what they could have been saying? Look how tall this thing is. This guy is crazy. I studied this out one time. These walls were 40 feet high, and they were on a hill. So they looked much taller than that. So they were standing downhill from this 40-foot wall, and this wall was big enough they could race chariots around, and they're looking up at this thing, and this thing's going to fall down for us. People were living in the wall that was so big. Had apartments in it. Amen. Can you imagine the doubt that could enter your mind if you allowed that in your heart? So he said, don't say a word. Church, sometimes it would be better if we'd shut up. If we wouldn't say anything, right? He didn't want them complaining. God's not doing his job. Just like that, they didn't have their eyes on God. So now all of a sudden it's God's fault. He's not doing his job because I'm not focused on him, right? Remember the covenant? God's side and my side. I'm almost done, right? We must guard our hearts. We must guard our hearts, right? What I allow in my heart will dictate my steps. It will dictate your steps. Could we all either come to the altar this morning and pray or pray at our seats? I don't care how you do it. Ask God to search your heart.
what I've allowed into my heart today. Jocelyn, would you play a song softly, sis? What have I allowed in my heart today, God, that's gotten between me and you? Lord, why isn't my blessing working? Maybe you already know what it is. Maybe you already know what it is. If you know what it is, then repent. And repent doesn't mean that you ask for forgiveness and you continue to do it. Repent means that you turn away from it. It means you do 180. Remember what Jesus said? He said it was like a dog returning to his vomit when we go back to that thing. That's what he said. It's in the Bible. When you go back to that sin again, when God calls it out, it becomes sin. It means we repent. We get away from that thing. Whatever is seeped into our heart, whatever we, wherever the situation is that we haven't guarded our heart, check that today. Check that today. I don't know your heart. You do. And even better than that, he does. If you don't know where it's at, ask him. He'll show you.